We're talking about Foo Fighters. Here we are. Even know you. <laughs> no, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! Get the words right. The words right. <laughs> 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 All right, this is Asinine Radio. This is the weekly music podcast where every week we get into a different band, different artist, and we break down one of their records. We get into the music, the lyrics, how it was made, the band members, and everything in between. Uh, my name is Tyler. We out there, hundreds of miles away, is Jeff. While you're listening, go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, give us five stars, and five stars only, please. Only five stars. Um, all the social media is at Asinine Radio, so get into that. And uh, let's jump right into it, Jeff. What are we? Uh, what are we doing today? Fuck. Forgot the name of the album. We're doing the Foo Fighters' newest album, and it's called. But here we are. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. Oh, <laughs> uh, spoiler. Um, this is gonna be a uh, gonna be a tough one. This is gonna be a tough one this week. Uh, so, what's your uh, with Foo Fighters? What is your what's your origin story with this band? It's like just like the like typical fucking absolute cheesy, right? Uh, like filler, and the title is coming right <laughs> up in one second here, right now. Like, oh, it's so terrible. Uh, ah. It's this band deserves it, honestly. This album deserves that, I should say, because that's, that's what this band is. It's just filler. So filler, vanilla. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's okay. So yeah, origin story. What do you got? What do you got? So my origin story is. Uh, like most bands and stuff is, is camp. And it was kind of fun because when we did Fugazi, there was a guy that liked the Foo Fighters a lot for many years, like loved them. He actually got a tattoo on the back of his neck, like the one from there's nothing left to lose. Oh, that is so cheesy. But I always thought that Fugazi and the Foo Fighters were the same band in regards to that guy. So when we did Fugazi, because there was two guys. There was one guy that loved the Foo Fighters and there was one guy that loved Fugazi. And I thought they were both the same band. So when we did Fugazi, I was like, God damn, dude. That other dude was really fucking cool because Fugazi's an amazing band. But Foo Fighters is, is absolute shit. So anyway, camp is my introduction <laughs> to them. And specifically, like, times like these. That was uh, that was an early song that I learned how to play on the guitar because we played it at camp a lot. And so that was, um, I still love that song. I absolutely fucking love it. I haven't heard it in a long time until this week. But I'm going to get back into it. Because it's, it's a banger song. of a song. Yeah. But yeah. Banger, times, banger. T- song. Times like these is for sure like my, my introduction. And that's probably why why I ranked one by one as my number one album because I've probably listened to that album in its entirety more than any other Foo Fighters album. And that's only I can, like I could see that. Two or three times anyway, so it's not that much. Because that album does have a couple other absolute bangers too. Beyond bangers, some might oh, say. All my life is their best song. I I'm just saying. It is. I mean, it's but low. Low is too. That was a good that, one. That Low's double whammy one. right there. The first two songs right there. All my life into low. Forget about it. Um, okay. So that that's your origin story. It's times like these. Mine 
is the uh, is Learn to Fly. The specifically the music video to Learn to Fly. Being up late at night watching MTV, the VCR at the ready to record a video that I um, that I really love and or that I really like and that uh, that video came on with Tenacious D in it, you know, Kyle Gass and Jack Blacker in it. The video is so over the top, it's funny. And I just, I thought, I just, it was so great. And I only got like half the video recorded because it was VHS, you know? I only got half the video recorded because I'd never seen it before. And then I, I waited. And then the next night, I waited for like a couple hours for it to come on again. And it did. And I got the whole video. And I just watched that video endlessly, like on loop. And then Friend of the Pod, Sean, got really into it too. And we were, just, we were, we were obsessed with that video and Foo Fighters for a very, very short period of time. So that that's my origin story is is that specific song and then I've always I've always followed them throughout the years and I've always checked out a new record when it's come out. Obviously, some have been or most of them have been misses. A couple of hits here and there, oh, like you know, all one of by them one. Are misses <laughs> in your honor, solid. Um, but outside of those two records, I mean, if, I mean, who cares? Singles are great. The singles are fantastic most of the time, but the rest of the albums are filler. Just filler. Just honestly, filler. And that's this band. And my first impressions real quick, that's what this album is. But here we are, is is it's a filler record. There's barely anything here. What what, what are your first impressions on it? So I, I, I do want to because it's funny. Um I think it's it's something that's lost on, on kids today, but when you recorded all the best music videos on your VHS tape <laughs> and like you had multiple VHS tapes, right? You had like your fucking metal one, oh, and like your dude. punk one, I, and your pop one, right? <laughs> I ha- I have. I mean, I, they're literally sitting in a tub still. You in my still garage. have them? I still have all of them. I probably oh have like God. close. I probably that's have close a, to forty. That's tapes. a fucking episode, dude. We that's well, that's a pod I, episode right there, dude. I probably have close to forty VHS tapes that hold roughly six to eight hours on each of them. Yeah, just full I, of music videos, TV shows from that 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 time period from like 1997, 1998 up through or yeah, 199 or 1997 through probably 2004. Just music videos, TV shows, movies, mostly music videos and TV shows, but yeah, dude, I just I recorded so much shit back then cuz that was the only way you could rewatch it. There was yeah. no I mean, you yeah, you had Real Player, you had these various websites, but you know, that shit would take hours just to buffer one music video. When I just turn on my VHS, and then I had, I had it to where my VHS, VHS tapes, each one was in like a little little paper holder, or whatever you know what I mean, that they come in those plastic yeah. paper holders, and I had every one of those tapes had a piece of paper in that holder as well that showed you exactly what was on the tape and, and the timestamp time and the timestamp on Absolutely. it. Absolutely, that's how meticulous I was with it because I, I was the same it. way. I had my hip hop one, I had like my pop punk one, I had my just generic rock, and then I had like the new metal one. Mm-hmm. And like the the hip hop one was always a little bit more because MTV was super great about playing like a full block hour of just like hip hop music videos and stuff. True. And so like I would just take the whole fucking thing. What was that show called? Like it was a uh, was it called Def Jam? <clears throat> was it? I don't I don't remember. Whatever. Whatever. I, I wasn't. I mean, I really didn't like hip hop at the time, so I I, I either watched TRL or I watched you know 120 minutes was on uh, Headbangers Ball on Saturdays and then, or whatever was on late at night, you know, after 10 o'clock when they would switch over to music videos all night or after 11, depending on what day it was, whatever they'd show I'd watch. So 
that's that was my life, dude. That was it. Fucking MTV, man. No, it was Yo MTV Raps. Yo MTV Raps. Oh yes, yes, yeah. yes. Damn. Yeah, that was so good. good, man. But yeah, so that's um, that's my origin story. Oh wait, no, we already talked about. Why are we talking about VHS tapes? Because you brought it up of taping. Um, what did I, I, whatever the fuck you taped. Why did I bring it up? I don't know. Oh, the, cow, oh, the learn uh, to fly the video. Learn to fly video. The yeah. learn to fly video. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, that right there is my origin story. And then I said my first impressions, how this album's a filler, and what is your first impression? That's what it was. Yeah. Okay. So so like on on going into this album, you know it's going to be heavy on the emotional side, right? Yeah. Taylor Hawkins died. His mom died. Like we knew that going in, and I, I think just in general, when we dive into some of these albums. I like them a little bit more because you can kind of pick up on the nuance and mm-hmm. this one like musically it was kind of like mid range lyrically it was kind of mid range, but the feel was still there from beginning to end. There was a certain feel and like, yeah, it's, it's sad to say, but it's a little bit cheesy, like, like tapping into that, that emotional spot of, of sadness. It's mm-hmm. easy. It's kind of like low hanging fruit. Right. But there's still a feel and I think they did a really good job at, at making a cohesive album that was very, they kind of like explored all the facets of, of, of like somebody dying in your life, right? From like the, the denial to the acceptance to the final, like, ah, well, it's going to happen to me too. Like it was kind of cool. Like conceptually, it was, was kind of cool. I, I will say conceptually, it was good. Overall, the lyrics though were pretty disappointing. I really expected more, honestly. Like, I don't know why. I, I don't know I, why I expected more. I but. expected less. I got really more than okay. I, I got. I got more than I, I bargained for on this one. <laughs> I mean, considering all the stuff that happened with, like you said, with Taylor and his mom dying within a year span, I didn't. I just thought there would be something more. <sighs> you said the feeling is there, and that I that I agree with. But the lyrics are just—they're so basic. They're—they're they're not. There's nothing. There's nothing that shows like. There's nothing specific there. There's nothing. There's no like crazy metaphors. There's no. There's nothing. There's nothing like that. It's just like. No. Uh, I don't know. But it's, I was, what he, it's what he does with them, though. It's what he does yeah. with them. It's it's how he portrays these these generic lyrics and and generic lyrics aren't always like a bad thing, but you, like if you can have generic lyrics, you better have. You better have a good way to integrate it into your music, and. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think the music here is great. I don't think the lyrics are great, but I think the way he integrates these generic lyrics into this generic music is actually kind of great. That works well, yeah. It just it just rounds out the vanilla-ness of the record. That's really what it is. But there's, a lot, there's, of, no, there's a lot of good stuff here. There's only There are only two standout songs, one of which I, I think is an absolute banger. The other one is not even a banger, but it's still a standout track because it's so different. Um. Okay. I'll just say since it's not a banger, the last song, The Teacher, it's it's a cool song in theory and and how it plays out and the way it rounds out the record lyrically, musically. That song to me talks about the to me like the big 3 deaths in his musical career. Taylor Hawkins, his mom, obviously, so close to the Taylor Hawkins death and then Kurt too. There are moments where the lyrics the lyrics kind of kind of talk about all three of them because kurt was also a teacher to him too even though it was 30 years ago now kurt was kind of a teacher to him um along with his mom and taylor to an extent and the up and like the highs and the lows of that song like that song is very kind of slow acoustic based and then all of a sudden it drops into this extremely abrasive 
static kind of just wall of noise that reminds me a lot of what you hear off of in utero. That's how in utero is. Not that as not that as abrasive because it's more put together. It's better put together than than this song, but it has that that tone. And that's where I picked up the Nirvana thing from was when it drops into that into that that part kind of in the bridge, the middle part of it. No, it's that's ten really fucking weird. minutes long. Yeah, it's a ten yeah. Like, well no, you, not not the last song. The so last song the, the, is five. The last song is rest. The teacher is ten minutes long. Oh, okay. That's I'm sorry. I got this. Don't I, be no, sorry. Right. Just make sure you get the names correctly. I don't <laughs> want you to be sorry. I want you I'm to be talking right. about rest. Gotcha. Rest is the song I'm talking about. Rest of my two B. That is okay. That that I is only the have song. Two B's. <laughs> I I have three Bs. Yeah, I have three Bs. Okay, so the so rest is the one I was talking about. Yeah. I apologize. No, um, that, that, I I agree. I I I think I think dude, when you strip like things down like this, you don't need like a super strong melody. And and I think that's something that Foo Fighters struggle with constantly is just being able to come up with really really strong melodies. Like you can take. You just take any fucking song from like Nevermind by Nirvana and it's, you know what I mean? It's instantly catchy. It's instantly recognizable. Like you can hum yeah. it as soon as you're done listening to it, even if it's the first time. The Foo Fighters rarely achieve that kind of notoriety. They rarely ever get like a, a, a melody stuck in your head the moment you hear it. And this one, you don't need it though because as long as you're just singing to an acoustic guitar, you're following the strum pattern or chord progression, or just like the overall vibe of the song. It's just easy to get into. Mm-hmm. But this one does have a decent melody because it follows that progression. It's easy to get into. It's it's a perfect closer. And it's obviously like the closing song was, was going to be this because of the subject material, because what we've been talking about throughout the previous nine songs about death and all that stuff. So we knew this yeah. was coming, right? We knew it was going to end on an acoustic song. But it's the Foo Fighters. They're a rock band. So they got to like plug in and have that bring that heaviness a little bit. And I get that. I like it. But the best part for me was the ending. The ending doesn't resolve. The, the has, it has a progression. Yeah. And that last note, right? You think that last note's going to hit and doesn't resolve. Very, very only in dreams there, dude. Oh, there we go. There Telling we go. you. That was fucking dope. I liked that a lot. <laughs> I thought that was really cool. And I thought just that that went in line with like the overall concept of the album, especially on this one, too. It was just, dude, just no. No resolution. When somebody dies, when people die, you just don't get resolution. You're not supposed to. It's fucking the way it is. And that was really cool. That's true. I like that too. It's never, never resolved. It's it's a good song. It's a good song in theory. Like what what it's trying to convey is is good, is cool, is is it's cool. But the way it was the way it was presented and played i didn't i didn't like it wasn't it wasn't a fun listen or it wasn't a thought-provoking listen it, i don't know does that make sense i i, I think it's more like he also tried a little too hard like so like we were talking about it's him and an acoustic guitar but it's run through like a filter both his vocals and guitar to make it sound like He's playing on on like like old equipment, like something that was recorded back in the '60s or something like that. But you can't, you can't fool me. You can't fool me. I know it's not. It doesn't sound like that. You're trying to sound like that, but that's you're not recording on equipment from the 1960s on tape to make it sound like that. It's just it's just not going to happen. So I thought that was a little. Eh, it's cheesy. It's cheesy. Definitely cheesy. 
because he's trying to hide it. Like like it reminded me at first when I was when I was listening to it, it reminded me of Meet Me in Montauk by Circa. How that's oh, got that kind of yeah. the same vibe, but like you know Circa's doing it on purpose and it's so over the top and so it's endearing mm-hmm. and it's fun and it's cute. Here I did feel like he was trying to hide it a little bit. And I just don't think like dude, like we've everybody I don't think there's any Foo Fighter fan out there, even like like Fairweather fan, that doesn't think that the acoustic version of Everlong is their best song ever. Like we know you can do it, dude. Just yeah. do it. Just You're fucking capable. do like, it. If if Dave Grohl just did a strictly acoustic record, two mics, just a mic on his acoustic guitar, a mic for his voice, and that's it. Like in and, and even just like an isolated booth. It doesn't even have to be like some you know, in a church, like, you know, some crazy location, just in a fucking isolation booth, um, just doing a recording it like that, like he did with Everlong and like he did with the acoustic version of times like these, just absolutely stripped down, maybe a tiny little bit of reverb, but really, really stripped down. It would fucking it would, it would just be incredible. Fucking incredible. Like that would have been way more effective than, than this record. I mean, he would have been able to convey so many more emotions because he wouldn't, need to hide behind anything he would have to actually like step up and and almost like prove prove why he's feeling this way like instead of hiding behind the band that's this is all really bad to say and i actually kind of bad taste because i mean his best friend it is i know it's fucking sad but yeah it's it's i won't go for it it's it's really it's not but honestly i i I fucking hate shit talking the food fighters because dave i do too like, honestly, do. one of the greatest frontmen rock stars of all time. Just like he's he up there with, with DLR. He's up there with everybody else. He's fucking up yeah. there. But it doesn't excuse your shoddy music. And I think he hides behind I think he hides behind a lot of things because he's not a great He's not a great like like lead cast. You know what I mean? He's a great supporting artist, yeah. but he's just not a great lead cast. And I think he does a lot of things okay. And he does things that are great sometimes, and that's propelled him and allowed him to have this career that is uh, fucking unbelievable to me, how popular the Foo Fighters are in relation to the, how their music is just not that great. But I, I, like he's always in the shadows of somebody else. He's always in like the footsteps of somebody else. And I don't think he's ever really come out and done anything that's been great, except for the things that he does on his own. The Dream Widow, know. the, the Probot. It's like, dude, like, what the fuck? Like, this stuff is stuff better than done anything with you've ever fucking done. Yeah. Like, yeah, really. Like, why? Like, why do you limit yourself in the Foo Fighters to just, like, mediocrity? And it's almost like a like a performance thing, you know what I mean? It's almost like a, like, he feels bad or, or he's not, he's, like, unsure of himself. When he's the lead guy, he's like, I can't perform as well as I can when I'm not the lead guy. And, like, in Probot, like, he's a lead guy there, but it was kind of like a joke thing. And the Dream Widow thing, that's also kind of like a joke thing. And when he's doing drums for everybody else, he's not the lead guy there. He's just kind of filling in, doing what he loves. But Foo Fighter, the spotlight's on him, and I don't think he can perform because he's better than this. Honestly, Dave Grohl's better than the Foo Fighters. I he he really is, and I think I think with Foo Fighters, I think it's a bit of insecurity too. Like I think you kind of touched upon that too. It's it's a bit of insecurity where he doesn't want to fail in front of so many people. And as the band grows every year, you know they they just keep getting more popular. There's never really a lull in the Foo Fighters. They just play bigger venues, bigger shows, more people, more people love them. And I feel like that pressure is a, has a huge effect on how he writes music for this band because he, I feel like he tries too hard to create pop, like good melody or a good pop rock song or whatever it may be, you know, like it really, the, the fame has hindered his, his, his songwriting, 
his vo- his vocals, the, his guitar playing and everything like that. Because he's a fucking solid guitar player too. Like we've seen him live. We've seen Foo Fighters live a couple times. He's an amazing and guitarist. Great fucking guitar player. Um, I mean, he's, he's just he's an incredible musician. He has a great voice too. Yes, he does. He does. But I think, I think that some of it has to come down to confidence. Confidence in being so famous that it hinders your songwriting. It's like it's like we, we talked about with with Mark from Blink. He's always, but he he's actually come out and said, you know, I'm so afraid that I'm going to write a bad song that I I just don't write music. Like Dave Grohl, I feel like feels that same way, but feels obligated to write more music for either whether whether it's because of the record labels or whoever. You know, I I feel like he has those same issues, but he just still goes through with it. Even if it's like mediocre results, and th- yeah, that's true. I don't know. That's sad I, because yeah, I mean <laughs> the other tragic. things we mentioned, the other things we mentioned. I mean, obviously, amazing in Nirvana. I mean, he's, he's one of my favorite drummers of all time, top three drummer, one hundred percent. What he did with Nirvana, what he did with Queens of the Stone Age on both of those records, on Songs for the Deaf and Like Clockwork. I know he didn't do all the drums on that record, but he did most of the songs on that record. Um, the Probot record, the Dream Widow record. Those albums right there are just, they're f- drum wise, they're f- they're flawless. Them Crooked Vultures, eh, I have a hard time getting into that band, but well, it's not all good. the other stuff, man, <laughs> all that other stuff is just fucking incredible, incredible. There has but to be Foo like Fighters, in, in, in in I don't know, doing a Foo Fighters podcast is 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 going to end up at some point talking about Nirvana, talking about Kurt Cobain, talking about the effect that the death had on him, but I think. I think being in a band that breaks up and then transitioning to a new band is one thing. But when you're in a band like Nirvana and they break up because of the of a death, like Nirvana's a different ball game, dude. That's a that's a different monster. That's a that has to have that has to still continuously wear on him. Like he has yeah. to think about that constantly. Even when they're done with the album and they submit it, it's like, okay, we are officially done with it. He has to fucking think about this. Like how would have Kurt wrote these songs? How could I have wrote these songs better to be as great as Nirvana? Because like, what's the point of being in the fucking band if you don't want to be like as good as your idols? And like Dave Grohl idolized yeah. Kurt, like just they're yeah, without contemporaries, but he idolized them because they're fucking friends and he idolized them. So it has to wear on him. And I think just that constant wear, man, sucks. Like that's that's no way to live. Like that's just yeah, that's brutal. So I think he's always like chasing it, yeah. that that spotlight. I think that's why he overcompensates. Which I don't, I don't want to say he overcompensates like a bad thing because I think he's a genuinely really, really, really nice guy. He just seems like a fucking cool dude. I've never read he anything does. where people say, oh, Dave Rill's a douchebag. He just seems like a cool guy. And even when he doesn't want to talk to people, he makes it known. Like, hey, I don't want to talk to you guys. And then he'll just walk away. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, at least he says or I don't something. want to give autographs because this is why I don't want to give autographs. Yeah, and it's like, who the like, fuck that was even a video does that? While. Like that's come on, dude. Like people just will say, "Yeah, fuck you." I don't want to sign autographs. Like Dave Grohl is just a nice guy, but yeah. I think he's always going to be chasing that. I don't know that second spot underneath Kurt, and and that's sad. After Tragic. you know the only the only negative thing I've ever read about him really has been the guy Franz Stahl, who was who played guitar with Foo Fighters for a short period of time, but he was also in the band Scream with with Dave as well. Um, but he was in Foo Fighters from like 95 to 96 just before Chris came on board and um, Franz was the only one who ever said anything negative about Dave but even then it wasn't it wasn't like you know he's an absolute piece of shit 
he just kind of said, you know, with the way he, with the way I was let go from the band was kind of shady. And even Dave Grohl, like right after that, he's like, yeah, I, me, I, all I've always regretted how we fired him from the band. Like he still feels that regret <laughs> from doing that because they grew God. up because they were like friends and shit. Like they grew up together and all that kind of shit. But really, that's the only person I've ever heard talk shit about it. But then that also, it's also a thing too that that made me it made me realize this week that Dave Grohl is known more as a drummer and for being a really nice guy. Those are that's what he's best known for. He's not. But best the drumming known for thing's being, not fair though because he was a drummer for fucking Nirvana. If he was a drummer for but, Soundgarden, like nobody would fucking ever know him. Well, because the songs aren't there. The songs just exactly because there. he was a drummer for one of the biggest bands that has ever existed. That's why he will never be anything but the drummer from Nirvana, who also was in the Foo Fighters. But my well, I agree with you on that. But my my point that I was making was that he's better known as a drummer and a very nice guy from both fans and also from other musicians especially musicians, you never hear musicians talk about how great Foo Fighters are. It's always, Dave is so great. I mean, his, he's such an amazing drummer, incredible drummer. Um, you know, he's such a nice guy. You know, we did this, this and that. He's, you know, he did this for me. It's never, it's never, it's rarely a positive thing they say about Foo Fighters. It's always positive about his drumming and him as a person. And that's it. Like, if you really think about it's, it and go back into interviews and, and things like that, it's never about Foo Fighters, or it's rarely about Foo Fighters. And the same with fans. Fans are the same way too. It's always about how great Dave is. It's there's one of those two things, and that's really telling about his character, and also about this band, because the band's not that good. They're really not that good. I feel like a lot of people have been duped. People who say Foo Fighters, oh my god, they're my favorite band. That's fine. They're your favorite band. My favorite band is Corn. I'm stupid. I I get it. I realize it. I, I'll say I'm stupid, but. Foo Fighters fans, they, they've all been duped. They really have. But I feel like... Because even, he is such a nice guy and an incredible drummer. Even when you say, like, Korn is your favorite band, I, I think the vast majority of Korn is just absolute garbage and very much like the Foo Fighters sounds the same, but Korn's... <laughs> dude, Korn's Korn is, 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 is a decade music-defining, like, album. Like, it, it did something that, like, no other thing had ever done will ever do I again. Agree. And it's, it's actually a really, really good record. But like Foo Fighters have never even achieved anything remotely nothing close, close to, to that. No, there, there's nothing about the Foo Fighters that was genre defining, that did anything special that you can really say, "Oh my God, that's the Foo Fighters." Like they they don't have a signature sound. They've never had a signature sound. You only know people only only know Foo Fighters because, like the well, the Chili Peppers is a bad example. They're only a good example in the fact that they they are so overplayed on radio. And at the time, MTV and VH1, that that's why so many people know about them, because they're so they're so easy to, Foo Fighters are so easy to promote on these on these radio stations because they're they're so safe. So it's like safe. Foo Fighters are the band also where people who don't like heavy music they like Foo Fighters because that's the heavy band they like. Like they're the heavy they, band they for people who heavy. don't like heavy heavy music. They 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 overdrive their guitars. They they do heavy stuffs. And I think you're right. I think like people who don't listen to heavy music, who are coming from like maybe just gonna generalize people, but when they're coming from like the Taylor Swift kind of sound and then getting into the new Foo Fighters, it's like, oh wow, this is super fucking heavy. It's like, yeah, it is super heavy compared to what you're listening to, but like it's still not. There's not a heavy band. They don't do heavy songs. Yeah, they just sound like they're heavy, but that's fine. 
It's a gateway thing. I get it. It's fine. Yeah, which um, yeah, I get it too. But it still doesn't make it good. Like like Blink is one of those bands too. Blink and Green Day, they're they're a commercially acceptable band. Like people who aren't into punk music, they're a gateway band. You hear Blink or Green Day, and you're like, oh my god, they're really good. I love I love punk music. They're my favorite punk band. But because you you haven't heard everything else, you haven't heard other bands in the genre. You haven't heard Vandals or Bouncing Souls or No Effects, Bad Religion, nothing like that. Misfits, even you know, it's just like you because you haven't heard that, and your your first introduction is Blink. I get it. They're yeah, a gateway band. But, That's what we talked about the Rancid. Like, like like why we respected Rancid so yeah. much was because Rancid is doing something for the punk community that not many bands do still to this day. And people mm-hmm. are getting into Rancid and they, hey, now I'm going to go check out this other super unknown fucking underground punk band that sounds like shit, but I will get into them because Rancid told me to. That's fine. Because <laughs> Rancid told me to. That's fine. Um, so, so we talked about Rest, which was your 2B. What, what's, do, okay, so do you have any stinkers on this record? I don't. I don't have any stinkers. I only have two bangers and everything else is just straight okay <laughs> songs. I'm the same. I have... Uh, I have no stinkers. I have three. I have three bangers, but really, two of them are only because of Dave's drum performance. But really, that's it. Otherwise, okay. the the songs are okay. Whatever. All right. So, what's your what's your one B? Nothing at all. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. At all, dude. Wait, where does that? Which, which song is that? Well, that's not but, a banger then. <laughs> it's, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> that's the six that's the six song okay i found it i found it right in the middle it's so sad <laughs> I know. nothing at all so the song I, is nothing at all i like this song dude. i like this riff i i think this is one of those like i don't know kind of heavier dance tracks dave's got mm-hmm. a good scream on it and it's not overly used i think it's a perfect contrast of like the light verses to the heavy chorus the mm-hmm. food fighters love to fucking do and then Dave's drumming matches everything perfectly. The open hi-hats on like the same action as the guitar. Dude, I thought that was great. And it builds up to that later like that. chorus, and the later chorus is just so goddamn good because everybody comes in so fucking loud, so hard, so obnoxious. It's good stuff. I did like the build-up in, in the choruses over time because really the, the, the intro and the verses are just like that kind of very straightforward beat. Uh, the guitar, everything is pretty stripped down. Overall, the song is pretty stripped down. Uh, which is something that they don't normally do on their records. Every, there's always kind of like this wall of guitars. Um, so that it's kind of nice hearing a song actually kind of breathe. And um, you can actually hear the keyboard cut through on here. Rami, yeah. the, the, <laughs> the keyboard is who, you know, all the other records, he's been on every record after In Your Honor. Or maybe he was on In Your Honor as well. I don't know. But he's pretty much been on every record since. And it wasn't until this record where I began to really hear his his you know he doesn't do anything he doesn't do anything but on this record there are very stripped down songs like this song dude and a couple other songs where you can hear the soundscapes you can hear the piano sometimes the keyboard that actually stands out like like a lot of the times in Foo Fighters the pianos are so buried in the mix that it's just like why why even have it in here why just why I don't get it like piano already sounds lame in rock songs I mean really it sounds really lame in rock songs that's um, Bohemian yeah. Rhapsody. Well, that's an exception, of course. Dude. But you're also talking about one of the greatest, objectively, one of the greatest rock songs ever written. It's true. But um, overall, piano in rock songs is pretty generic it and is. boring. Piano's not rock. Sorry, no. John. Regina Spector 
on the other hand, well, she's the greatest. The greatest, yes. Um, but yeah, other, otherwise, I, this song is pretty basic to me. I don't. The only thing I really like about it is how stripped down it is. Okay. For the for the band, That's but fine. otherwise, I, all right. It's it's basic, man. Even the beat. There's some busier, greater moments that Dave has on the drums. But I don't think anything sounded this. I don't know how to like even put it. It was just th- like that's how I I re- it phrased it. it was danceable. Like it's a dance track. It's something like Hot Hot Heat would have fucking yeah, done. Yeah. Okay. It's 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 danceable and weird. It's not typical Foo Fighters all my life sounding. You know. It's I don't know. It's a little bit weird. A little bit quirky. Because it's not that like typical four on the floor kind of beat. There is there are some like flourishes and nuances to Dave's playing on the drums. Yeah. Pretty much when when. when I found myself when I was writing out all my notes, I would talk so much about Dave's drumming, but I would always say like Dave's parts or Dave's this, Dave's doing this. And I'm rarely ever talking about his vocals or guitar playing, which is unless, like, unless I specifically say Dave's dr- Dave's guitar playing or singing. I'm all, I'm only talking about his drums. His it's funny because the best and worst part of this album is Dave. Like the best yes, part of this correct. album is like the drumming and the worst part is the fucking vocal parts. <laughs> yes. Which we didn't even mention because, yeah, at the beginning of the episode we should have mentioned, but Dave Grohl plays all the drums on this record. Since Taylor's death, he plays the drums. Even though Josh Fries is the, is the drummer now, Dave played it. So whatever. There you go. Um, But otherwise, yeah, nothing at all. There's really nothing at all here for me. That's fine. So, okay. Well, okay. It's fine. It's it's well, a fine song. Okay. It's okay. It's okay. Okay. What do you have lyrically on this one? Um... I thought this one, they're all. I think every single song was about death in some capacity. I this mm-hmm. one was kind of sad because it shows us that like Dave is still left with these questions, right? That when when we talked about earlier, when people die, you're you're left with questions like, could I have done this? Should I have done this? And those questions just they're not going to get answered. It's just not going to fucking happen, and you don't get that closure. And that's why I love I love the way rest ends without that closure, which is mm-hmm. cool. It's very very real you, you just you fucking you don't get that closure and I, I thought nothing at all was uh was a a way for him to say what he's left with this is what i'm left with is nothing at all kind of like a almost like he's angry you know what i mean like he's he's mad yeah. he's irritated he's pissed off at taylor and his mom and that's a fucking normal response when people die is you're mad at the person that died that happens and i've and i feel like the there's a lot of denial here too Denial in, in Taylor's death, also his mother's death, because like we talked about, his mother died within the same year Taylor died. So that's yeah, that's it's rough. That, man. That's brutal, that's dude. So <laughs> God, man, like you're like one of your best friends, your bandmate, somebody you spend almost every day with, and your mom at this at, at so close together. It's just, I mean, Taylor's death, it sucks. It's really sad. I get it, but I mean, the guy, the guy lived fast. For almost his entire life, like that shit's gonna catch up to you. It's I understand, sad, he's, but not surprising. He's, yeah, exactly, exactly. Dude's in his early fifties, dude. When his toxicology came back, dude, opio- opioids, benzos, yeah, literally almost everything. Antidepressants, just come on, man, come on. That many uh, those uppers and those. Well, it was pretty much all downers, but still, come on, fifty something yeah. years old, and you're still you're still living that fast. Come on, man, come on. And it's even That's more gonna catch up with you. so bizarre because like like I mean according to everything Dave said over the years he's just he's never really done drugs outside of the age of like twenty or twenty one like he just mm-hmm. stopped doing it because 
people around him are dying. And so like yeah, it's just, I get it. it like he's not quite on the same level as like Zappa was where he's just super strict about it. But I don't know, like But the guy still likes to party. Like it, it's it's so I think it's it's fun to see how much he still likes to party and barbecue and hang out and you know, have some drinks. Like wh- what record was it? I don't think it was this one. It was one of the other records. Later records, he um he pretty much hold him a, he went to some isolated cabin or house or something like that, bought a case of wine for like two over two days and just drank it all and wrote songs. That's all he did. Yeah. That's all he did. It's just like, dude, man, you're like in your fifties and you're doing this shit. He, he like really does just like to fucking hang out and party the, during the yeah. California wildfire. Remember he was out there barbecuing yeah. for all the firefighters. Yeah, no, it's pretty fucking crazy. <laughs> it's cool. It's fucking awesome. It's, yeah. But it, but it shows just how like normal of a guy he is because you know, most guys at that age are like that. You know, it's like, they're not like excessive drinkers. They're not excessive anything, but they just like to have a good time. And that's how they have a good time. Like that's how most people are. Most people like aren't like these out, junkies. Or, yeah, exactly. And that's how he is. And I think that's, that's where people can relate to him so well is that he seems like, seems like your dad. Like he seems like an everyday, yeah. da- every kind of guy, everyday kind of guy. And that's where I feel people, that's why people love him so much, but whatever. Yeah, but yeah, like I said, lyrically on this one, I feel like this is just a lot about the denial that comes with the grieving process. And you touched upon it earlier. The, the grieving process is is pretty much what this whole album is about. That's that's kind of the theme of this entire record, is the grieving process of Dave Grohl. So, this might as well be a Dave Grohl solo project. Honestly. Dude, I wish like I I I get the Foo Fighters are like an entity. They're a band. There are other people in the band, but uh, I kind of really wish this would have been like. A Dave Grohl only album. If he played every instrument, if he did everything on this album himself, like that's what I really would have loved. I to mean, hear. he might as well. I mean, let's just get into the other guys real quick. Yeah. So, or for a little bit, I should say, not real quick, but for a little bit, probably. So, this specific record, Dave played guitar on it. He sang on it. He wrote the lyrics to the, on this record. He played all the drums, all the percussion on this he one. Produced it. He, um, he he co-produced it. And the other guys, they played rhythm guitar. There's some lead guitar here, but like on the songs, there's there's a little bit of lead guitar, but it's so basic, so ordinary, and it's so buried in the mix because there's just layer after layer and layer of guitar. You know, regular guitars, baritone guitars to get every fucking kind of frequency and uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's exhausting, man. It is. And it's, it's, silly. it's just like, you don't need it. You don't need three guitar players. You don't need two regular guitar players and then a baritone guitar especially in a live setting, like where you can't really hear that nuance. Like, why do you need, why does Pat Smear, Pat Smear is only in the band because he's a friend. Yeah, exactly. That's the only reason why he's in the band. It's like sometimes when you watch him live, you're like, dude, is your guitar even plugged in? Is the volume even on? Yeah. What? Cause he's just, God, there's no reason for it. Like really Chris is there to, to fill out what Dave is doing, but there's really no reason for, for Chris either. He doesn't. He doesn't really add much to it. He but plays at least some. He had a, like kind of audition, right? Like there was like well, true, yeah, somewhat of a thing. So yeah, Pat but, was just like, "Hey, uh, what's going on, guys? I'm just kind of here to hang out. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, I'll play on a song. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll start touring with you again. Oh yeah, I'll be a full time member again. What a gig! <laughs> you go from the Germs, like the worst fucking punk band, almost as bad as the Sex Pistols. I would honestly, actually, the Germs are worse than the Sex Pistols. I dislike them. 
I hate them more than I hate Sex Pistols. <laughs> the germs are fucking terrible. Darby Crash, I dude, I don't, I don't get why people like Darby Crash. I do not understand it. Never understood it. it goes from the germs, goes to the touring guy in Nirvana. Like why? Just to fill out the sound? Like that's really all Pat is there for. He seems really? like a nice yeah. guy. Just to, he seems know, just like to a nice the dude. Fucking sound. Like, what, prove me otherwise. Otherwise, you're just. I don't know. You're nobody. But good for him, man. Good for him. He's made a living. He's made a living being probably a good fucking living too. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Especially as a full time member. Come on. Mm. But then that also makes me think, like, dude, Dave is such a nice guy that there are six members in six members in this band, like full time members. Why have a full band like this? Have it just be you and like one other guy, maybe one other guy. Like, why do you need six official members? Why is this Rami guy an official member as of like 2017 or whatever? Why is Josh Freeze an official member when Josh Freeze is never an official member? He's rarely ever an official member. But you give this guy, I mean, he, it's well deserved. I mean, Josh Freeze deserves everything he gets. But to have this essentially studio touring guy come in as a full blown member of the Foo Fighters. It shows, I feel like it shows Dave's character that he's that good of a guy or he's overcompensating, dude. I don't but know. I, I do think because of how he has fired people in the past and if one it's, guy, it's, it's business, on. it's business. If, if it's not working out, it's say. not fucking working out. But then the guy from Sunday Real Estate quit because Dave Grohl That's was like, true. you know what, dude, I don't like your drum parts. I'm really sorry. I'm just going to do it myself. But that's a mm-hmm. business decision. That's not a personal thing, right? Keep it like, keep like business and like personal separate. Like I think Dave Grohl does a really good job at doing that. And so I think when these people are joining the band, like Dave Grohl has to have some type of like fucking uh, corporation ownership of this, and and they're getting one percent to his ninety nine percent. There's I think no you're right. fucking way. Yeah, he's just too. Sm- I, he's he's too smart like that. There's no way. I think you're right too because the Foo Fighters were the. The name was only created to make it seem to, to remove him from the Nirvana label back in the mid '90s. That was the only reason why he created the Foo Fighters name and essentially brand was to set himself apart from Nirvana because he didn't want he wanted the anonymity. He didn't want to be known as Dave Grohl. He didn't want to know oh Dave Grohl, the drummer of Nirvana, started a new band. He wanted to have it be something completely separate. So I'm sure when he, I guess, incorporated the the brand. He probably made it so, yeah, he's probably 99% owner of it. I mean, and also I'm sure he owns the rights to everything considering he writes the music, the lyrics, and everything else. The other guys are the other guys are essentially hired, hired guns. Maybe not Taylor Hawkins because Taylor Hawkins had something to do, at least with, you know, arrangements. I, I would think hired still. guns, but like well-paid hired guns. But for yeah. sure, like they're not, they're not expecting more than, than what Dave's going to give them because it's probably going to be nothing. Except for a fat paycheck. <laughs> exactly. Or it's like, like, I would imagine it like everybody gets 10% of everything, but Dave gets half, gets the other 50%, you know? Yeah. That would, that would seem fair. I, I, yeah. I would think that would seem fair too. Cause Dave literally does everything. He's the face of the band. Well, yeah. Not Taylor take, Hawkins. It, obviously Taylor Hawkins is not the face of the band cause the band's still going and Dave Grohl just feels in on drums and does better than Taylor <laughs> yeah. did. Sorry. <laughs> oh man. All right, so uh, we have anything else on nothing at all? That's it. Nothing at all. All right. So my uh, my one B 
I don't know if you like the song. I'm really curious, but the Show Me How, the one he did with his daughter, Violet. Show me how. So show me how. I, I don't think it's a banger. No, but I, really? I like I like what's happening here. I like what's happening here. This is one of the things where, where I like I like where your head's at. I like what you think you're trying to do. I don't quite agree with the execution, but hmm. I fucking love this song because... First of all, it's a nice break from like the barrage of like Dave Grohl vocals, like ugh. Yeah. Over the course of this week and a half, and just this album, it's just God. I'm so over Dave Grohl's vocals, and this works because Dave isn't over the top with his like male part of the vocal harm. It's just kind of like the lower end, and you kind of like whisper singing a little bit. I think the drumming matches like those hi hat things aren't super quick. Like Travis would like super quick. Those like 32 notes, but Dave Grohl's kind of slowing down a little bit. 32 notes. Yeah, like the fucking what's what sixty fourth <laughs> notes or one hundred twenty eight yeah. notes. So Travis would probably do. <laughs> and I like the ambient guitar. I like the ambient guitar ringing chords out and just letting the lead guitar kind of do some noodle stuff with a lot of distortion on. So you're getting all of this contrast, and this song is just all about contrast. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Like musically, lyrically, I think it's a whole fucking new ball game, which is super awesome. But like musically, I think this song is like all about contrast. I love it. What I what I love about this song is that this is, I mean I agree with everything you just said. This is also one of the most experimental songs, if not the most experimental song experimental song they've ever done. Foo Fighters have ever done outside of the song White Limo. The, this song and White Limo, they've never done anything like them ever. Just with that, I mean, just it's a fact. I love how just he kind of took the full band out of it, like you said, the drumming that groovy it's it's a very kind of groove driven drum part which i feel like taylor never accomplished like you hear it a lot on the first two on the first two uh foo fighters records and you hear it a lot on this record you hear a ton of groove you hear a lot of little nuance to his playing some jazzy little things some bossa nova shit which i don't it's not one of my bangers but there's some bossa nova stuff on here too that you don't hear on the taylor stuff that it just shows man dave is such an incredible songwriter from a drumming standpoint. Um, and and this is also another one of the songs where Rami, the keyboardist, really shines too. The soundscapes that he adds to this song is just perfection. I I love the soundscapes on this song. Um, I love the stripped down guitars, like you had mentioned as well. The 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 harmonizing between Dave, Dave's voice and his daughter Violet's voice, I think was was perfect like it was it was the perfect amount of vocals between the two of them to where it never was it was never too much it was just it was just absolutely perfect it was enough harmonizing enough lead parts from each of them it just i think this is just an an amazing song i really really think this is a top-notch foo fighter song and this is another example it's like you know dave's got it in him to do something not vanilla because this song is not vanilla yeah. This is truly this is truly a nuanced, a truly kind of deeper, I don't want to say complex song cuz it's not a super complex song, but it's a more layered song than what we're used to hearing from Foo Fighters. Layered in the sense that you have multiple instruments going at once, not five guitars playing the same fucking rhythm part. You know, there's just there's just more going on here and I love the layering of it all. I just I think it's I think it's a great song and and the lyrics I feel uh, match that that kind of nostal- there's like a nostalgic feel to it and that's kind of what this is he's reminiscing about his friend 
also at the same time showing his insecurities about moving on without them. So it's it the song is half and half and and I feel like kind of the melancholy feel of the song matches his feelings in the lyrics. This this that's why the song is also the best song on the record. The lyrics and the music match up perfectly and it actually shows the sadness the theme it shows the real theme of the whole record on this specific song. You know, I, I, I don't I don't disagree with you that this is the best song on the record. I think this is the best song on the record because like lyrically this is this is fucking nuts, dude. This is like I I don't think I've ever heard any artist, any songwriter, any band ever do what he just did here. Like I think this is so much about Dave dealing with his mom's passing. Mm-hmm. Like 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 the inevitability of it but dave's still lost and he's upset that she's gone like, what am i supposed to fucking do like what do i do now but having his daughter on this track is like him kind of like still saving face still saying that i need to progress on i need to drive forward because somebody else is relying on me the way i relied on you but now you're gone i can't quite be mad at you right now because i'm too busy doing this thing and like the best part of this fucking song is at the mm-hmm. very end when it's just Violet singing by herself. And yeah. like that, to me, I saw, I heard that. And I was like, dude, this is, it's like, beautiful. no one's ever done this. This is like Dave, th- this is really fucked up and sad, but this is like Dave telling his daughter, like, I'm going to be dead one day too. And oh, you were going to be that's on your heartbreaking. own. It is. It's oh, so, so fucking sad. It is, but it's, but like, it, but it's honest. That sort it's of honest. Truth. It's fucking brutally yeah, I honest. It. And I, I swear to you, I don't think anybody has ever done a song like this. Correct I don't think so either, because wrong. I fucking because, just don't think anyone's ever done this. Because not a lot of people do these kind of duets with with somebody so close, like like a family member, like a father daughter, father son, or whatever. You know, there there those those kind of duets don't really exist, like in a real kind of honest way. And the song is 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 all honest because what what I what I love about the song too is that it's his daughter also. Because she's younger, I think she was seventeen. She's seventeen or eighteen or something like that. So she's going through her adolescence. She loses her grandmother. You know, she loses Taylor too. Because I mean, I'm sure Taylor was like a father figure to her. Yeah, too. absolutely. So, so her emotions almost like mimic what Dave is feeling too. Maybe a little bit, obviously a little bit differently, but the emotions are still there. And I feel like this song is not not only a kind of a closure for Dave, but also for her. And to be able to share that experience with her own father must have been very just just amazing for her. Very just something that most people wouldn't feel or have that kind of connection with their father. And to do it in such a such a um what's the word I'm trying to say? Such a personal way. And that's what makes the song I feel what makes the song just absolutely amazing. Because they're this both one, going through the same thing. Dude, this that one nobody definitely- can understand definitely hit like hit harder than than everything else because i i do see like like leaning on like family and 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 people that are your age in your age group and friends and whatever when like a family member dies like that's one thing but then when you lean on your child to get through like the tough times like you know like dave leaned on his kids right like when taylor died his mom died but like people that have not gone through such a, a horrific death in the family maybe you just don't know and it's like why would you lean on your kids like the kid it's not their fucking responsibility it's like well because i don't know what else to do that's just what yeah. i did and like i that this one did resonate a little bit harder because like i do know what it's like to lean on like children because yeah. of what i am going through 
And so mm-hmm. when he did that last that last verse, when it's just her, oh baby boy, that was good. <laughs> that was good because it was just like, damn, dude, he's straight telling her like, I'm gonna die one day, but not now. But I'm gonna die one day, and that's some brutally yeah. honest shit. And that's, but that's oof, what people need to hear. Chilling, just chilling. Yeah, man. This is look at these uh, goosebumps. You can't see them. Look at these fucking goosebumps right here. <laughs> oh, I can see them. I can see them all from over here. Oh my god, from over here. That's good shit right there. That's <laughs> it good really shit. is, and that's why this song is my number one. This it's a good is song. why it's the biggest banger, and and this is the only song I would playlist off the whole record. I wouldn't put it like on like an alt rock kind of playlist, but I would put this on. Like kind of just a like a softer kind of playlist. I mean, it's a really even taking the co- the lyrical context out of it. It's a really good song. It's a really really good song. But dude, I'm anyway. hard I'm hard pressed to think of a song where like the writer of the song kind of like leans on their kid to help them through a tough time. Like parents I mean, are are supposed to be like this 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 fucking this rock. They're they're the ones. Actually, friend of the pod, one of our friends from high school just had a baby, and then he was texting me, and and he was like, "What do we do?" I'm like, "I don't fucking know." Like, what do you mean? What do I do? Like, we thought our parents like knew what they were doing when we were growing up. They didn't know the fuck they're doing. Nobody knows what the fuck they're doing. Like, you just pretend like you do. You put on a smile and you say, "Yeah, everything's gonna be okay," and then you go to bed and you stay up all night and you worry and you bite your fingernails and you don't fucking sleep and you drink a lot. That's (laughs) like that's what you do. Yeah. And yeah. so when Dave Grohl here is leaning on his kid, it's just, it's so fucking, it's so God, oh God, I fucking hate the Foo Fighters so fucking much, I dude. know. God, I hate them so much. But then, but then he the pulls shit like this. Ever. He pulls shit like this. It's just, it makes you love him again. Like, oh why, God. why are you the way that you are? Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know. understand it. All right. Anyway. Owen 2. Owen 2. Yeah. Oh, I took a big gulp. Oh, man. Excuse me. Do you have a big gulp or did you just take a big gulp? I took a big gulp. I don't have a big gulp. Big gulps, okay. huh? That's right. Well, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's perfect. Um, all right. So, uh, what, what's your? Oh, your two B was rest. Yeah, I don't. I don't have any more Bs. There's songs I think that are that are parts of it I love, like Show Me How, uh, The Teacher. There are parts of that I I, I love. Um, some of the other songs too. There are parts of it I love. It's just as a whole. I don't really like any of the other songs enough to play this at least. Yeah, I I, I get it. I I, I really because I mean honestly, I wouldn't outside of show me how, I wouldn't playlist any of the other songs. My my two B, is uh, but here we are, but it's mainly because of Dave's drums. I mean, this is really where he churches it up. This is one of the few songs where he churches it up on the record. Um, wait, did we already talk about but who we are? We did not. No, we didn't. Where the f- oh, there it is. Um, sorry, yeah. So th- this is one of the few times where he does church it up on the record, but it's busy. But it's not Travis Barker busy. It's not YouTube drummer busy. It's the perfect amount of busy to go along with the song to make these build ups into something. Even sometimes when there is nothing to build up to, it's still enough of a build up <laughs> to where. Which the Foo Fighters actually do a lot on this record, which is annoying. Dude, this song was particular. But it's still good because the drumming is so good. The parts are so kind of, they're very unique to Dave. Like he's not just doing simple kind of fills going in and out of, you know, different verses and choruses and bridges and all that kind of shit. He really kind of, he just has a way of of writing a song from a drummer's perspective. Like he's just a fucking amazing drummer. I fucking love the guy. Um, 
really though the chorus it's lackluster um it's more of a ballad kind of thing that he's going for has some screaming in it but that's not the highlight of it it's really it's really the drumming it has that bossa nova feel this is the bossa nova song i was kind of talking about yeah this is a little 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 diddly's there yeah like really it's it's the percussion it's not it's not like the drum kit it's more the percussion that's kind of bossa nova uh has that bossa nova feel um kind of fuzzy guitars through parts of it but uh, i the rhythm section is also super locked in the way that nate and and dave are are playing off of each other or playing with not playing off of each other but playing with each other i've never heard the rhythm section so locked in on any Foo Fighters song outside of maybe Everlong, but that doesn't really count because that's just all Dave. Um, I've never heard the rhythm section so tight. It's never been as tight as this song. It's it's really, really, really good. This song, um, dude, it's that staccato fucking guitar riff, man. That thing wore on me, and I just I got so yeah. irritated with it. But uh, the intro reminded me of like Green Era Weezer for a minute. Oh, like, okay. That, that was very reminiscent of that. Um, Lover in the Snow, actually specifically a Weezer song from the Green Era slash Pinkerton Era. It's very, it sounds very much like the intro to the song, um, but it's 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 fine. It's a good one. It's it's really like I said, it's his drums. Um, this is the only time lyrically where I felt he talks about faith, his own faith. Um, he's questioning, you know, why why should I believe in anything with when like two of my closest confidants my two best friends are gone they've died for especially more specifically taylor he's died for he's died so young why should i have faith in anything he so that he actually questions that not religion specifically but just his faith and that's the only time i've seen him talk about it on this record which i thought was um, he's definitely he's definitely bitter on this one like i feel like he's definitely bitter because he opens up with saying like save your charms right that line like alludes to religion or just any superstition in general where people like are bargaining for someone's life. Right. Well, it's like, it's, I mean, charms could also, you know, go hand in hand with prayer or whatever it may be. It's, it's, it's a form of like a charm kind of, right. Or charm, just you're trying to charm God, right. Oh, please uh, don't let him die. I'll, I'll quit smoking. I'll stop doing this. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're putting these things on. It's like, come on, man. Like if well, if God pretty, was dude. real, like if God was real, you think you can't see through that bullshit? Come on, or she? <laughs> I mean, dogma, yeah. or yeah, that's true. I don't know, but like ultimately, speaking of, the, the person speaking of die dogma, and... Alanis Morissette, Taylor mm-hmm. Hawkins, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, Alanis Morissette, probably the greatest uh, artist of all time. Alanis Morissette. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, dude. I'm just saying. All right, um, but here we are. Um, here we are. We're talking about Foo Fighters. Here Do we have anything we else on this song? You know you. <laughs> no, that's it. That's <laughs> <laughs> stupid fucking Alanis Morissette. And there's stupid ass music. So terrible. <laughs> I don't care. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, the only other song that I thought was banger was The Teacher, which is the prog song, I guess you could say. Uh, the ten and ten and a half minute song. It's but, a prog song and what it tries to do, but it's exactly. it's not a fucking prog song. It tries, I get it. It tries to, but it's, it's like, there in on, theory. Bro. It's there in theory. Like you've done this better. <laughs> fucking I don't know if ten minutes better. long. They did do it better. On what? Did, did you leave again? You do it better. 
the no, song I'd... from Sonic Highways, the song outside. I, I talked oh, about yeah, it in yeah, the yeah, rankings yeah. where yeah, it sounded like the fucking that. chain. That was song was seven and a half minutes. And had an amazing but, interlude that was very reminiscent of the chain by Fleetwood Mac. Do, or with do, 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 do. Or what's the song he did a few years ago with uh, Trent? Was it Trent Reznor? He did that like twenty-five minute song, that improv song. That's already annoying. I'm already annoyed just with. But no, but you loved it. We talked about it on the pod years ago. I'm even more annoyed that I loved it than. No, it was like, and it, he did. It was like a video too. Like he recorded himself, and oh, what, I think what it was, he recorded. He was essentially recording loops of himself. I think that's what it was. Like he would go up to the kit, play for a little bit, and it would be looped, and then he'd go and pick up like a guitar, do like a loop of that bass, so on and so forth, and then he would go back and then do the drums again. I think it was something like that, and it's Listen. called. And I think Trent Reznor was involved, or maybe. I don't know. Maybe I'm just I, I think I know you're talking about. No, I think oh, all there, dude. But I it's think a whole video. Talking about. I think it was Grohl, Trent Reznor, and there was somebody else there too that was doing. Was it Josh like, Homme? It might have been Josh Homme. Uh, that sounds that sounds right. I can't remember, but it was. But really it was like cool. it was like an eight minute song. Like it was just it was. Mm, I think it was longer than that. Eight ten minutes. Mm, that's the tops. Dave I don't Grohl. think it was longer than t- ten minutes. Prog song. Hold on. Let's see here. Oh, it's just called play. play. It's called play. Play. It's twenty-two. It's twenty-two minutes and fifteen seconds long. Damn, that's a long fucking song. Yeah, but yeah, he plays all the music on it. But I don't remember if. Uh, yeah, Rolling Stone says Dave Grohl unveils his one-man prog rock odyssey, play from twenty eighteen. So, yeah, there's even a wiki a wiki for it. Um, no, I Man. guess um. No, it's just Dave Grohl. He does. He Guess plays it's everything. Dave on Grohl. It. Okay. Yeah. And you know what's weird? I did see this at a record store last week, but I think it was. I'm pretty sure it was a bootleg. Had to, I don't think this was ever officially released on vinyl, but yeah, I did see this. I did see this at a record store recently. But anyway, mm. anyway, I, I need to check it out again, again because I remember when I watched it the first time. I was really kind of blown away by it. I'm curious. Yeah, but anyway, it has been released. On vinyl? On vinyl, yeah, officially. Oh, it's real. Oh, shit. I thought yeah. it was a boot. It's a, yeah, it's just, it's just a single. It's it's one-sided. 12-inch <laughs> single, yeah. It's like 10 bucks. They fit 23 minutes? They fit 23 minutes on one side? Dude, Master of Puppets is like an hour long almost. They put that on one Oh, yeah, record. I suppose. I suppose. Even like the good pressing of Master, it's, it's, only one, it's only one LP. Yeah. So I guess you're right. Cram all that fucking noise in there. I, well, it's better that a song like this is on one LP is on one side than having to flip it. That's true, which can be annoying. But anyway, oh, and two. yeah, the teacher, um, the teacher, yes. And this so is, this was not even a banger for you, right? Because there's just come on, dude. Like it's just so many different songs. It's like three different songs here, and like, there are parts of it that are really cool. Like I like the simple acoustic guitar-driven tone of it all. Mm-hmm. It's just too fucking long. I think it loses some of its effectiveness because of its length. Like the novelty of it wears off. I there, don't there's care a, anymore. There's a middle part that's about a minute long where it actually does pick up. It becomes like more of a punk song. Yeah. And then it just kind of wake drops. up part. Yeah. And he's just kind of repeating the lyrics and but then it just and then it kind of just drops back into what he was doing in the first part. Like the first like four and a half minutes is just like one it's like a normal song that would be on this record. Nothing too crazy or, or anything like that. 
Um, I do like some of his drumming because it's a little bit faster paced. It's a little bit more punky in the first part, the first four and a half minutes. But normally when people play like this, especially when Taylor Hawkins would play these kind of these kind of tempos, he would use a lot of open hi hats or either the, either that or the ride to kind of fill in space. But the way Dave was playing it, he was playing with the closed hi hat. So you could really let kind of all the other instruments kind of breathe and it wasn't this wall of sound. And that really stuck out to me because that's what's needed on this song and with the Foo Fighters. You don't need this fucking wall of sound. No. The drummer can can very easily dictate how a song sounds overall just by something as simple as closing a hi-hat when you're playing. I mean, it's 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 astonishing how much different a song could sound just by changing that part of it. But, um, so I, I mean, I wanted to point that out because I thought that was just incredible because it was so simple and so stupid. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, then the, the last part of it kind of goes back to the, to the first part, but makes it more ethereal kind of air, more airy sounding, but it never really, it never, nothing really, really stands out outside of that, that drum thing that I just mentioned. I just but, feel like, like if you're going to make a 10 minute song, especially as a band that does not make 10 minute songs. If you're going to do something like this, why, why are you mm-hmm. doing this? Why are you making a 10 minute song? And yeah, that interlude part, it, it, it bridged the two different things together well enough. But again, it's just like, why, for what purpose, what did this add? Why did you need to do this instead of just making this two different songs? I don't think any, I don't think anything added to like the overall, ambiance of the 10 minute song i think they could have just chopped it up into honestly one two minute song and it would have been fine didn't add anything that's why why for what reason i agree with you on that um i would compare it to kind of like a jesus of suburbia from green day's american idiot but i mean i hate saying it because i really don't like that song but that song is better than this oh for sure it is <laughs> it is better and it's not a good song jesus of suburbia is not a good song American 80 is better than every fucking Foo Fighters album that's ever been released. Well. <laughs> just the fact that you're uh, not even, and you fucking hate, you fucking, you don't even like American Idiot. I, know, I like really don't way. like American Idiot. And the I fact really that you're don't. not even like fighting that I mean, instantaneously that's t- is just like, that's how, uh, that, you know that's what? how stupid the Foo Fighters I'm, are, dude. I'm going to have to, I'm going to, I'm going to stew on that and I'll get back to you. <laughs> I'll get back to you on that one. I'm going to stew um, on it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah Jesus of Suburbia is a better song than this this prog song yeah absolutely um, but you, you know what's weird like anytime I hear a band do anything prog that they wouldn't normally ever do it always brings me back to that Queen song that they did on um, what was the Queen record we did we did what was it Jack, what did we do? I don't remember. No, we did, did night at night at the opera. I think we did a night at the opera, right? Did we? I think that was the one we did. But that that song had a prog song on it. I remember, like an eleven minute prog song, and it was incredible. It was fucking you, amazing. I can't believe we did night at the opera. Why would I think we did, or oh, was it off to the races? What's the other one? What's well, the like there, so like night at the opera has a lot of like cool prog song, like besides mm-hmm. Bohemian, which is like a six minute song. Well, yeah, I mean, but the yeah, prophet that, song that, that song I think that song's like eight or nine minutes. Maybe that's the song I was thinking of. We did opera. that. I'm pretty sure. I know we didn't do jazz. We for sure didn't do jazz. We probably but did I night at the opera of, because of Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's why we did it. Um, but yeah, there there was one particular prog song that was had that very kind of Lord of the Rings feel to it. 
oh, that yeah. just kind of blew me away. Just absolutely blew me away that I never knew Queen would do. So anytime, like I said, anytime I hear a band do a prog song that wouldn't normally do it, I always immediately think of that Queen song and how cool it was. And then I compare it to that Queen song, a band that doesn't make yeah. prog songs for the most part. That was like, their longest song they've ever they done. The yes, Prophet song look, was the longest song they've oh, ever done. And look how fucking amazing that song was. Oh, it's like, a good why, song. Why can't they be like Queen and make a great prog song? Anyway, I don't know. Okay. Complete stupid tangent, but I don't know. Do we have anything else on this record? Um, it's just it's such a lackluster record, man. I want to talk about it more, but it is. this is like so little to talk about here. I mean, outside of the like, if you take out if you take out Taylor's death and his mom's death, dude, there's nothing here. There's fucking nothing here. Really. And that's and honestly like you're right. You're right. I guess this will go into my wrap up. Unless you have something else, I can transition no. this into my wrap up. I got nothing. If you honestly just played this 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 record through and through without any vocals to it, I would not get the same feeling as I do having read the lyrics and understanding mm-hmm. what is happening. And that's that's telling just of a good songwriter overall. That's just something Dave Grohl just has has trouble doing, even on a record like this, to where it's. Again, like death is low hanging fruit because it happens so fucking much, just like politics. Like it's just low hanging fruit, and I just don't think I, I don't think he can. I kind of hate this record less even now. Just thinking about that, <laughs> I, I I don't know. I don't I don't think I don't think the the message is conveyed in a way that's cohesive. Even though I I said contrary earlier, now that I'm I'm we've gone over it, I I think that's even it's even worse. Man, I really hate talking shit on this band. I really do. I know I do too. I feel bad. Like, I feel bad. Like, I, like I'm looking down, like kicking sand. You know what I mean? Like, oh, come on, kicking man. the rocks like, on oh, the sidewalk. You know? I'm sorry, dude. Yeah. I just, I just don't think this Hands band is pockets. very good. You know, here, here's like the Foo Fighters. Here's what the Foo Fighters are like. The Foo okay. Fighters, like, you go to a restaurant and everyone's like hyping up these burgers, and the burgers are fucking the best at this restaurant. You should go check it out. And you get this burger and like the bun's fucking huge. <laughs> and like there's a big old piece of tomato in there. And like the lettuce looks fresh. But the meat, it's like a tiny mm. little puck. It's a teeny, teeny, tiny little puck. <laughs> and you bite into it and it's just like, wow, that's all filler. Still, <laughs> it's still fine. Like it, it's good, but that's all filler. That's, that's yeah. the Foo Fighters. That sucks. That's a good way. That's a good way of, um, it's a good metaphor. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really like this album anymore. I thought I did. I don't. I don't <laughs> like it anymore. <laughs> it's just oh, not very because if you took out like the lyrics, right? If you just had like him just singing watermelon the whole time, the feeling would be completely fucking different. I don't get the feeling of of sadness and, and loss based off of what he's singing, how I he's agree. singing. Except it, for it's just not show the what the one with his daughter. But even That's then, the only song. At best, like he could have just been doing like a duet with his daughter, and it was just it could have been cute. They could have been talking about strawberry shortcake and my little pony. I don't know who cares, yeah. But I man, just gotta do better, Dave. Gotta do better. Yeah. This late in the game, I don't know, man. Wait, wait, hold, hold on, hold on one sec. Oh, what, what is going on? What? Oh, <laughs> I did. Return a lizard? No. What are you talking about? 
you don't take lizards back. You don't take lizards back. You can't take a lizard back. <laughs> you can't you can't take a lizard back. Oh god. Like That's fucking good. Bedlam here. That's good. You can't take a lizard. You, you buy a lizard. It's your lizard. You don't take a no. lizard back. That's what I thought too. But then they they've been trying to catch this lizard outside, and then it got away, and then it appeared in the house somehow. How big know. is this fucking lizard? It's small. It's like fucking three four inches long. Then how do they know it's even the same lizard? I don't know. I don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, Man. that was good. That was good. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, you should listen to this once. So I'm not going to give this below a one Okay. on our ranking system, but it's, it's not going to be a two or above. It's just, it's just not, it's not that good. It's not that, <laughs> that thought out, ah, man, it sounds so it. bad, but it's kind of like, if Dave Grohl wasn't the dude that he was, this would seem like a cash grab. It would seem like something that was put out to capitalize on like a loss. And that sounds fucked up to say, but it's just not that good, dude. It's just really fucking not. Yeah. Like, okay, so 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 my little wrap up here. I really don't like talking shit on Dave Grohl because he is one of the greatest drummers of all time. One of the greatest songwriters in that sense of all He's time. He's one of the greatest frontmen of all time. One of the greatest frontmen of all time because he is an amazing frontman because we've seen them multiple times and they put on a, an amazing show. But their music at best is good at best it's good um and this record is goes along with that it's one of their worst records they put out it's one of the most boring and like you said like we've said you take out the context of taylor hawkins death and his mother his mom's death it's just it is just talk about vanilla man talk it might about be their worst vanilla. it might be the worst if you take yeah. those out exactly exactly musically songwriting wise God, well, musically, is, musically, it's better than it is songwriting wise because Dave plays drums on it and his drumming is pretty fucking great on it. Um, where was I? I was about to go somewhere with this, but totally forgot. But it doesn't matter. I was probably going to say something mean. I know um, it's always going to be mean, and then you're going to feel bad about saying it. <laughs> I know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so we we have a we have our world famous three point rating system where. Three is a perfect album. Two is a good album you're going to continue to listen to. One is a bad album, give it a shot. And zero is the worst thing you've ever heard. So you gave this a, a one, right? I give it, I'm going to give it a 1.25, honestly. That's what I give it to. I give it a 1.25 as well yeah. because the one song, Show Me How, is really good. That's the only standout track. Otherwise, it would be a one because it, dude, you, you got to hear it once just be, in the context of of the band's history. You've got to hear it at least once or you should hear it at least once. Um, but yeah, overall the album is very, very lackluster, completely disappointing. And I already had low expectations for this record and it still dipped below those expectations, <laughs> um, which just sucks, man. It really, so I re- bad. Yeah. It, it really, it's unfortunate, but um, yeah, I don't know. 1.25 for both of us on this record. And uh, it wasn't it wasn't a bad week. We learned a lot. We learned a lot about the band. We learned we learned a lot about ourselves. Dude, I didn't good. know Dave Grohl released a cassette tape while he was in oh, Nirvana. Yeah. yeah. 
What the he fuck? Did, and we, I don't, we didn't talk about that during the Nirvana episode. We didn't. I mean, I don't think it, it wasn't really relevant. That's I. I, I mean, I, we, we, I was we, blown away. Well, we had we had so many other things to talk about. That's I mean, true. Nirvana's Nirvana's lore, Nirvana's lore is way way deeper than anything Foo Fighters have ever done. So, I mean, we talked about Dave Grohl a lot, but not his extracurriculars. We talked more about Kurt. We didn't even really talk about extracurriculars the, when it came the, the, to Nirvana. You're right. There was no fucking time. Like there was just there so was, much yeah. talk about without. <laughs> there was that. way too much. Yeah. yeah. With Nevermind and In Utero, both of those records are just God. So much info. But uh, but no yeah he he put out that that cassette demo as what was it called last or something what was that fucking? like stand or last something with an exclamation yeah, point. I can't remember right now but but then that like marigold cool. marigold off of that was on was one of the B sides for a new, on on heart shape I think it was heart shape box yeah it was the B side to heart shape box yeah yeah it's the only song that Dave ever sang lead on in the band. Which is and it's a fucking cool song. I love Marigold. Marigold is a great song. And from but my, then, from yeah. from what I read, like Dave was apprehensive about doing songs and like singing and writing stuff. But every time he talked about like, I mean, obviously this is just one side of the story. But every time he talked about when Kurt would hear him sing songs, Kurt was mm-hmm. so like enthusiastic about it and like welcoming and like pers- like pushing him to pursue like his music writing. Yeah, and again, that's the one-sided, but like that's fucking cool, man. Like how, so like there's still got to be some like residual guilt from like the Kurt Cobain like death from Dave Grohl oh, still I'm to sure. this day. There has to be. I'm sure. I'm sure. God, it, it would have been so. I mean, I mean, there could have been so many things that happened had Kurt not died. But hearing more of a collaboration between Kurt and Dave could have been something that could have transcended what we know as Nirvana now. Yeah, like really, I mean, really, because because Dave does have those pop sensibilities. He does have them, not as good as Kurt, but they're there. And he, if he could have added more, if he could have added a different side, a different flavor to what Kurt was doing, it could have been something truly, Ugh. truly special. God, it could have been fucking cool. It could have been really cool. Because honestly, the based off of the the two acoustic songs, Everlong. In times like these, based off of those two acoustic songs, those songs are better than the straight up acoustic songs that Kurt did. And I'll say it. No, I don't, I don't, especially with Everlong. And I love times like these because it's just so accessible. It's so poppy. It's so bare bones. You know, it's like three fucking chords, dude, like CFG and shit. It's just easy, easy, easy stuff. But had, because we know we know Dave has the chops. He could do it because of those, especially Everlong. Everlong is the perfect example. He has the chops to create a perfect pop rock song. It's there, yeah. but he has no one to push him. Nobody to push him. Nobody wants to push him. And had Kurt been more involved, had Kurt not died, obviously, and been more involved with pushing Dave into doing stuff, I feel like we could have had Everlong plus more and better. I think that's like, a good, I really, really think so. I think what you said is like the perfect representation of why Foo Fighters are just not, there's not good. Is that nobody pushes Dave Grohl to be better. Because he's too nice. They don't, I feel like people don't want to offend him because he's too exactly. nice. And even today, I was, I feel bad. I know. We've never met, well, no, I've never, no, no, I've never met him. But. Might just delete this episode because we feel bad. <laughs> I know. We're going to have to put a disclaimer at the beginning and then put a disclaimer in the show notes saying, we we really do love Dave Grohl. So what we're saying, we feel bad about. 
<laughs> like as just a disclaimer up front. I have to. <laughs> it's that's so that's true. Like nobody nobody's there to push Dave Grohl to be better. And I think that's why he's fallen into mediocrity. Yeah, I agree. So I don't know. I don't right. know, Jerry. Do you have anything else? Oh and two. Here we go. One one point two five. That's what we both rank this record. Really in Foo Fighters in general. So um yeah. Thank you all for listening. Go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you know, all the places. Give us five stars. Tell all your friends because we're the best. And uh, that's it. That's all. They're from War, War, Warminster? Warminster? Warminster. That's stupid. Oh. I don't like that name. <laughs> <laughs> Just, um, do you want to hear the full, the full name of the, the album? Yeah. Oh, this, that's not the full name? <laughs> no. The full name is, is, is Petro Dragonic Apocalypse or Dawn of Eternal Night, an Annihilation of Planet Earth in the Beginning of Merciless Damnation. Of course it is. That's <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> the album art's really cool, though. We're talking about Foo Fighters. Here Do we have anything we else on this song? You know you. <laughs> no, that's it. <laughs> Stupid fucking Alanis Morissette and his stupid ass music. So terrible. <laughs>